Hello, everyone. Welcome to Refuge Fellowship. It's just great, great to be back with you again here this Sunday, this afternoon. Now, if you are online with us, I ask that you please just let us know how we can be praying for you. Please just get on your computers or your phones and send us a message through Facebook Messenger, or if you'd like, you can post them right here even on this live feed. However you'd like to do that, I just, I really want to know, know your prayer request. I want you to know that we are here with you. We're praying with you. We're lifting one another up in prayer. So it's just so important to me to be praying for the fellowship, for the body, for the church. Please join me in prayer as we start today's service. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege just to become before you, Lord, to dig deep into your word, Lord, to learn more about you and your love for us, Lord, and how you've revealed yourself to us, Lord, and the plan that you have for each and every one of us for our lives, Lord, as we can just go out to the world, Lord, as we can just reflect back and see, Lord, what you've laid out for us in your scriptures, Lord. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us, Lord, that you would use this time, Lord, you would honor this time, you would anoint this time, Lord, this time of fellowship, this time of worship, this time of studying your word, Lord. Lord, just be with us, Lord. Speak to us. Lord, I just pray for the Holy Spirit just to use this, Lord, that we wouldn't hear from man. We don't want to hear from man. We want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear through a message from your Holy Spirit to each one of us. So, Lord, I just pray that you would just help us prepare to worship you in this way. You would just clear clear our situation, wherever we're at, from any distractions that would come in the way. Lord, I pray that our mobile data or however we're streaming or watching this, Lord, would just, it would be enough, Lord, to be able to watch uninterrupted. And the quality, Lord, I, I pray for the quality just to be unsurpassed, Lord. It would be wonderful that we could comprehend and read and follow along, Lord. Lord, I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just use this message to go out throughout this entire country, Lord, and it can encourage one another, to bless one another, but most of all, Lord, to share the good news, the gospel, the truth, of who you are and the love that you have for all the people here in this country. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Again, it's just so great to be here. Um, as we get going, I really want to, I want to start off with reading a passage in Romans. As I was looking at this earlier, I think it really just spoke to me and it has so much context to what we're studying here and have been studying in the last few weeks. So if you got your Bibles, please grab them. You're going to need them. We're going to be going through a lot of scriptures today. So if you got your Bibles, give me a thumbs up. I want to see a thumbs up. As soon as I see a bunch of thumbs up, we'll get going here. You can start flipping to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be there. Romans chapter 8. You there? Okay. Romans chapter 8. We're going to start off in verse 29. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What would... What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Is God for us? Who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Praise the Lord. Just thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for this passage and this encouragement. As I read this, I found this 
passages, these verses in Romans, so applicable to what we're going to study today. I don't know how many, how many do remember what we were studying? Remember we were in Matthew chapter 28? If you got your Bibles, you can turn back there if you like, Matthew chapter 28. We were, remember that study? The tomb? Remember, if you look at 28 verse 8, that's where we left off. It says, the women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened, but also filled with great joy as they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Who remembers that passages? These women, they had come in faith. Remember, we studied about their faith. They had come in faith to honor Jesus and to anoint his body. And we know as we look at this, there was probably around five different women that were present at this. Now, as we read this and looked into this, we see a lot of their names. There's maybe three different Marys. I'm not even really sure. But there was also a a Joanna. This was actually the wife of a, a man named Chuzla? I'm not sure if I pronounced that right. I've mean, got some other names I'll probably mispronounce also. So you can laugh with me or laugh at me as you'd like. Uh, but this this particular, this Joanna, she was wife of this very important man. But it's interesting. This man was an advisor to Herod. So his wife was one of the women that was at the tomb. And then we got another woman, uh, Salome, the mother. This was the mother of James and John. She was there. Then some of these other Marys were there, but then the most popular Mary or the one that most people would know about is Mary Magdalene. She's probably one of the most talked about ones except for Jesus' mother. But we know Mary Magdalene. We studied this last week. She was there with Jesus every step of the way up to the crucifixion. Now, as we studied her, we also know that we really don't know a whole lot uh, about her. The first time we see her mentioned is when Jesus had freed her. She had seven demons and she was delivered from this. And then from there on out, she became a devout follower of Jesus. She supported Jesus in the ministry and the disciples in many different ways, including even financially. She was one of the very few followers that was at the cross and also at the resurrection. You know, last week we read about her and the other women, as they, remember we read there, they were spoken to by an angel. And they were told that Jesus, Jesus had risen. And then to go out and tell the disciples. So then we know Mary had gone out. She had found Peter and John. And she had told them what had happened, which is going to start us today. Turn in your Bibles to John. Everybody in John. John chapter 20. But in John, oh, back one page for me. John chapter 20, verse 2. Let's see what happened here. She, Mary Magdalene, ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put it. Is that, was that what happened? Is that what we just read earlier? Is that what the angel had instructed Mary to say? No. Now, we can't be too hard on her. I I can't. um, I mean, think about her past. Think of all that she has been through. I'm sure she was extremely nervous or maybe even scared to explain this crazy story to the disciples, to Peter and to John, about these angelic beings that's appeared to her, how these angelic beings had told her that Jesus was risen. Yes, Jesus is risen. But even 
as we've seen last week when we studied Mary and her faith, I think here she kind of stumbled a bit. You know, I'm not sure she truly at this point believed that Jesus was risen, even though she saw an angel declare this with her own eyes. Well, let's continue and see what's going to take place here in John chapter 20. And let's look at verse 3 and 4. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outrun Peter and reached the tomb first. Now, as we read this, we see this other disciple, right? And we're sure this other disciple mentioned here. Well, it's in fact, it's the very author of this book that we're going to study today, none less than John. Um, you know, it's funny, even if you look back just to the verse we just read in 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 2, again, the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, now here in verse 3, but the other disciple outrun Peter. You may read passages like this and go, why, why would John write like this? Why would he put this in here? Why wouldn't he mention himself? Or why would he let us know that he was a faster runner than Peter? Or why in verse 2 would he say, he's the one that Jesus loved? I'm not exactly sure why John would do this, but I'll tell you what, for sure. I know that this style of writing, how he's included these details, really gives a authentication for these writings. It tells us that they're real, that they're true. I mean, you think about it, if you were going to make up a story, you would never include details like this as the author of the book. So we see that the younger John has now outran Peter in this sprint to see what has happened to Jesus, right? Now this, I looked this up, and we don't know exactly, but you can probably approximate, it's probably one kilometer. So if you think about a runner, I like to run, if it had some good times, maybe it'd be about like only a five minute run. This really, this wasn't a run, this was a dead run, this was a sprint to get to the tomb. And I think about that, as I think of this happening, I can picture this in my mind, these two men sprinting, racing, racing to the tomb to see what has happened to Jesus. Each of these men, as soon as they heard this this news from Mary, they reacted right, I mean, immediately. They took off running, sprinting. They, they don't even seem to question Mary. They don't ask for any details. They don't, they just ran. They ran as fast as they could to seek out answers to find out what has happened. Now, these men, these two disciples, they had, they had no idea what was going on. But I see it, just a great picture, an example. I mean, we know these disciples, these were two amazing men who Jesus used in amazing ways. These, these men, they each, they ran, they sprinted, they sprinted to see the truth about Jesus. Think about that. And as they did this, I don't know for sure if they thought about it, but there had to have been some kind of thoughts there. They disregarded any earthly consequences to running to the tomb. What do you mean? Why do I say that? Think about this. Think about the guards. Remember them Roman guards? Why had these guards been placed outside the tomb? Remember? The Jewish leaders, they were concerned that these very disciples would come and steal Jesus' body. And now that Jesus, his body is missing, these two disciples were running to the tomb. It could even, you know, it's possible they could have even believed it was a trap. Think about that. 
What would Pilate do to these disciples if he believed they were responsible for Jesus' disappearance? Well, let's, let's continue. Let's see what these two sprinters will see. Turn back to there, John chapter 20. Let's look at verse 5 and see what they'll see. He stopped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. John, we know this is who we're talking about here. He arrives there first, right? But he doesn't go in. He only, he looks in. He only looks in. Why, what would you do? Would you go into the tomb? Would you be scared? Maybe John was scared. Maybe he had a reverence about the tomb or about Jesus. We're not really sure why. Why didn't John just go in? Why did he just look and peek in? But again, this is authentication that these writings are true. Because why would the author of this book include this detail in the text? The why is because this is a true story. It really happened. So now we look back here. Peter is about to arrive. Look at verse 20. Sorry, chapter 20. Let's look at verse 6 and 7, because Peter is about to arrive. A little later. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed that linen wrappings were lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. You know, Peter, he never discourages me. He never lets me down. You know, I can imagine this taking place. I can imagine Peter running right up to John, pushing him aside. Get out of the way. Running right, ducking down, going right inside the tomb. You know, that's kind of how Peter was. Pretty impulsive, wasn't he? But pretty bold, too. You can imagine Peter. I mean, he just tried to keep up with John. You know, I think he's quite a bit older. I'm not sure he was a uh, marathon runner by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he was a fisherman. So I'm sure you can imagine Peter. He's sitting there breathing heavy. And he's looking around. He's stuck. He's in the tomb. But you can imagine going in this tomb after running. Your eyes would need to adjust. You wouldn't be able to see anything when you first got in there, right? Your eyes would, so that the light would be really low in the tomb. So you're sitting there, right, Peter? There, he's going to have to take a, just a moment, a moment, so he can see clearly, so he can see what's taking place after he just pushed John out of the way. And I imagine, you know, you think of his vision as it adjusted. Think, what did he see? You look at the text. He saw the linens that were used to bury Jesus, to prepare his body. They were just lying there. Now, exactly how these these cloths were placed and their exact condition, it's up for debate. Um, nobody is exactly sure what this looked like. Were they all laying in a bunch? Were they on the ground? We, we can see the head covering was folded up and... Aside from the rest of it, um, nobody's exactly sure, but I want to share me personally how I imagine this looked like. And I, I believe I'm close, but I could be wrong. I want to give a, just let you know. But here's what I envision Peter saw as his vision came to clear. I imagine he would have seen, you know, on this stone slab where they had laid Jesus' body, you imagine all the clothes and the cloths, they were there, still on that stone, almost an altar, still in the same shape as Jesus' body. They would have been sitting there in perfect kind of form, his arms, his legs, everything would have been there. It would have been as Jesus, like, this, don't take this out of context, like Jesus had just transformed or beamed out of the, the wrappings. 
All that clothing would have still been laying there, I imagine, laying out perfectly the same shape as Jesus. Like a mummy shape. Yet, for the cloth that was on his head was separate, laying down aside, folded nicely. This is the way I imagine this. And I, can you picture this? Jesus' body supernaturally risen out of these, these, these clothes, these cloths that he was bound by, living, leaving this like empty shell of clothes on what you could almost, on this stone, stone slab. How, you think about this. How could you fake the shape of these cloths that had been wrapped in Jesus' body? There's no way you could, like, wrap it up perfectly and make it the shape of a body. I was reading a commentary on this. Warren Worsby, I like to quote him, and I just love how he says this. He says, the only way those linen cloths could have been left in that condition would be if Jesus passed through them as he rose from the dead. You know, I imagine looking upon this, as Peter looked upon this and trying to understand, how did this happen? How do we have a mummy-shaped cloths here, perfectly laid out, without the person that was inside? Let's continue. Let's see if what, you know, John's still outside, right? Let's see what's going to happen in looking at verses 8 and 10. Then... The disciple who had reached the tomb first, John had to mention that again, didn't he? Also went in and he saw and he believed for until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. So now we have both of the disciples inside the tomb, right? And in the passage says that they saw these empty clothes, these cloths, right? It's not clothes, but cloths. And it says here they, they came to a faith, a faith that had, that Jesus had done what he'd promised. Jesus had risen from the dead. The scriptures and Jesus' words, I'm sure they were flashing throughout these, these disciples' minds as they both looked at this and processed this and just tried to figure out what had taken place. How did this happen? What is going on? We saw and we saw in the passages that they, they came to faith. Now, as I thought about this, this was this faith. It was based on what each of them have now witnessed physically before them, right? Now, it was also based on the words of Jesus and what Jesus had taught them. And I'm sure also on the word of God that they had read in the scriptures. And I questioned this faith and I asked myself, is this, you know, is this the faith that Jesus is asking for each of us? What do you think about that? What do you think about the disciples, these two disciples' faith at this point? Look at the last two verses. It says, look at there closely. It says that they first noticed something. Do you see that there? And then it says this led them to see or to look into. Then it says they believed and they understood what Jesus and the scriptures had said. Is this faith? Believing that Jesus is who he says he is and that he did what he said he would do. Is that faith? Is this a picture of the faith that Jesus would hope that all of us would have? You know, not quite, I think. It's close. It's, it's, it's on its way. This is a great first step 
in faith in Jesus Christ. The type of faith that Jesus is seeking for each of us to have. It's not wrong, but I think it's only the beginning. It's only a start of the faith that we should have. We're going to study more in the few the coming months on this topic. But for now, I'd just like to look at one verse just to touch on a little bit. So, Because we're just going to turn ahead just a little bit in the same chapter. John chapter 20. Turn it at verse 27. You guys are probably familiar with this story. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Put your finger into the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Jesus is looking for a faith, not blind faith, right? He's not looking for blind faith, but Jesus is looking for a faith without reservations from us. A faith that trusts without, a faith that is not needing an explanation or miracles performed. Our faith should be in Jesus Christ alone and what he did do on the cross and what he, what he did in his resurrection. He is risen. These disciples, they were coming into a true faith. But also remember, they hadn't had the Holy Spirit come upon them and given them the gift, the gift of faith. Yes, that, the gift of faith is also a gift from the Holy Spirit. True, faith definitely begins with believing and then responding, but it continues with the power of God living within us in the form of the Holy Spirit. Let's continue. Let's go back to John chapter 20. Let's look at 11 through 13. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Verse 13. Dear woman, why are you crying? These angels asked her. The disciples, they've left. I, I would guess maybe even speechless. I believe they left Mary standing outside the tomb, not even stopping to explain what they'd seen or the faith they've had. Or maybe, we're not for sure, maybe Mary had just came a little bit later uh, after the, they had just left. We're not exactly sure, but I be, I think Mary probably followed these two disciples back to the tomb. I don't think she ran, and I think she was standing outside the tomb waiting to see, waiting for the disciples to come out to see what they would say, what they would do about this situation. Now, whatever the t- timeline is for sure, the fact is Mary is now standing outside the tomb. She's weeping. She's alone. She's wondering trying to comprehend what is going on. Now, we look back and we talked about it earlier. We remember last week that an angel had come and told her, Jesus has risen. But apparently, she still didn't quite understand. You know, again, I don't think I can blame her. This would have been a lot to take in. And, you know, after some time, I think she's she's coming to a point where she's she's wondering, she's standing out there weeping, and she's come to a point now, she's got to look in the tomb for herself, right? She's got to look and see this truth that Jesus' body is gone needs to become real to her. Now perhaps she's hoping that she'll see Jesus' body when she peeks in there, when she 
she looks inside. Maybe she's just hoping this whole thing was a misunderstanding and the disciples didn't tell her when they took off. But what happened when she looked in? She didn't see Jesus. But instead, there's two angels sitting there. Sitting there. You know, as I see this and I read this, I found it so interesting, her response. Because remember last time, just hours before, hour before, it was fear. But not this time. I'm not sure why exactly. But in fact, as we see right away, the angels, they seem to immediately, they see her, they see her poking her head in, and they immediately ask her, woman, dear woman, sorry, dear woman, why are you crying? Think about that. I think the angels, you know, angels are not all-knowing, right? All they know is they see this woman poking her head, and she's crying. I think they would have been perplexed or questioning seeing Mary crying. Like, why are you crying? As they're rejoicing, Jesus is risen. Now, why, why wouldn't Mary also be rejoicing? Because she didn't understand still that Jesus had risen. And she was so upset, thinking that someone had taken Jesus' body. Mary, in her world, it was coming apart all around her. Right? It was falling apart. And this was because she hasn't came to a true faith that Jesus is risen. Think about that. How often is this true for me? When everything in my world seems to be falling apart around me, it's always, 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 it's because I'm not putting my faith in a risen Jesus Christ. Amen? But where was Jesus, right, as her world's falling around? Where is Jesus when we are having our own moments? Let's turn back to John chapter 20 and look at this. In verses 14 through 15, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She is, she's lost hope. She's turning from the tomb. She's weeping. A hopeless, desperate woman. She is so wrapped up in her grief and her sadness she couldn't even see straight. I'm sure she couldn't see both physically from covering her face, from from the tears, from the crying, from the swollen around her eyes, but also just think emotionally. She was blinded by this fear of what was going on. But even more so, I think she was spiritually blinded because of her lack of faith. You know, have you ever been in a place like this? I have. And I'll tell you what, it's difficult to come out of it, to overcome it. But the answer is always the same. As we see right here in these passages, there was Jesus right there asking her, Dear woman, why are you crying? What are you looking for? Jesus was right there ready to restore her, to bring her to faith. But she didn't see Jesus. She didn't see Jesus was standing right there. She didn't see Jesus through her pain, through her grief, through her weeping. Jesus was right next to her, just as Jesus is always with us. But sometimes we don't see Jesus in the situations that we're in, as our world seems to be crumbling away. Sometimes, even as Mary, we'll make, we can even mistake Jesus for something else that he's not. Scary. So let's see what's going to happen here. Let's continue. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. Mary, Jesus said, She turned and cried out, 
Rabbanoi, which is Hebrew for teacher. 17. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus wasn't going to let Mary continue in this blindness, in this faith blindness, in this spiritual blindness. He calls her by name, Mary. And then Mary saw Jesus and she believed. Jesus loved Mary just as he loves each one of us. And he knew what Mary needed. Mary here obviously needed a physical encounter in order to come to believe, to believe that Jesus is risen. You know, it's amazing how Jesus reveals to each one of us in different ways. Because he knows each one of us intimately. He knows what each of us, if we will come to faith, what we need. And Jesus uses so many different ways to reveal this. He uses different ways to reveal the gospel truth, to reveal the good news. It's in our Bibles. We can read it. Some people have had visions and dreams. Others, there's angels. Notice angels have come to people. Sometimes there's miracles that happen. You know, creation itself is a witness to the gospel. Sometimes he'll use other people in our lives to share the gospel. And sometimes it's just circumstances that are unexplainable. Whatever way Jesus uses to reveal himself, Mary, Mary's response is the one that I believe we can follow. She turned to Jesus and she cried out. Yet as we read this passage, it's strange. Then Jesus, he says, don't cling to me. Why would Jesus say this? What does he mean? I believe, I mean, I believe Mary would have physically stood with Jesus as long as he would allow, as long as she would have remained in his presence, just as she already had. Remember, she had walked all the way through the crucifixion, right? She loved Jesus. And now she's found him. He's risen. But Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a purpose for Mary, just as he has for every one of us. She was to go and share this amazing news, share the news that Jesus is risen. Mary needed to go out from Jesus to Jesus, from the safety of being with him, so others could know this good news. If she stayed there comfortable beside Jesus, she would not have been walking according to God's will and purpose for her life. Maybe some of you are wondering what that is on yourselves. We're going to look at Matthew real quick. Turn to Matthew chapter 28. We'll read verse 19. Therefore, go out and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's let's turn back to John chapter 20 and see Mary's response to this. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Mary obeyed Jesus and went out to share. She shares, I have seen the Lord. Again, we can follow this example. Just as we are to go out and share our experiences, how we have personally met with Jesus, with the, with the one that is risen. I, I want to quote a, a commentary, uh, again, by Warren Worsby. I love this, how he, he talks about this situation with Mary. He says, it would have been selfish. Listen to this. It would have been selfish and disobedient for Mary to have clung to Jesus and kept him to herself. She arose and went to where the disciples were gathered and gave them the good news that she had seen Jesus alive. I have seen the Lord. Amazing. 
Look back, look at, look back in John chapter 20. Look at verses 16 and 17. As we see this here and what's transpired here, I, what I see, I see Jesus in humility. Think about this. After Jesus has faced everything from the crucifixion, after rising from the pit of hell, paying our sins, his first response we see is to comfort Mary. And then he continues. He wants to make sure the disciples know that he is risen. There's no condemnation from Jesus here towards anyone. He just wants them to know the good news, the truth. He is risen. Uh, before we close, I want to look at a few more passages just to complete kind of this chronological story to harmonize the Gospels here. So we're going to turn back again to Matthew 28, verse 11. Are you there? Verse 11. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priest what had happened. Jesus' resurrection was is causing quite a stir, right? Quite a stir in Jerusalem. Remember last week, we studied a lot of this. The soldiers, remember? They were the ones that seen the angel. They saw the angel who rolled away the stone. They had been paralyzed with fear. Now, just before the disciples and Mary were at the tomb that we studied today, obviously the soldiers had left. And they had left and they had gone to the Jewish leaders. Why... Why would Roman soldiers who had just abandoned their post run to Jewish leaders? Is this strange? I believe because these soldiers and the Jewish leaders, they had a common interest. They both needed this story about Jesus and his resurrection to go away. Each of them were hoping to cover up this truth, to cover up this story. The the soldiers' very lives were at stake. This was a pretty smart move probably on the soldiers' part, knowing Knowing the Jewish leaders wanted this problem, this story to go away as much as they did. So let's see what's going to happen here. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, you must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole the body. Wow. I want everyone to notice. Again, These Jewish leaders, this was an opportunity they had to come to faith in Jesus. This was even a chance for the soldiers. They just seen the angel. They even also had a chance to turn to faith in Jesus. It's said, and I don't know for sure, that possibly one of the soldiers did. There's a movie out, if you ever want to watch, called Risen. It's an amazing story. But as you look at this, what would the Jewish leaders say to this news? I mean, they've just heard this. They didn't even ask the soldiers how or what happened, or they don't ask any questions, or maybe even question the truth. Maybe, yes, Jesus has risen. They just very quickly come up with this plan to cover up whatever has happened, to hide the truth. They've paid a bribe again. They've they've paid these soldiers to spread. Think about this. They paid the soldiers to spread the very lie that earlier they had brought before Pilate for the reason to have the tomb sealed and protected with Roman soldiers. Isn't this crazy to think about? Let's read the rest of this story, the last few verses, 14 and 15. If the governor hears about it, 
Well, stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said what they were told to say. Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they were they still tell it today. You know, as I read this, and I see it's true, the story is still told today. This, this story speaks so greatly about how lies or sin works. Lies, you know, lies never end with just one. Lying always leads to more lying. Sin always leads to more sin. It grows. It grows in time until it becomes this ugly monster that's just uncontrollable. The only solution to a lie to sin is truth. Until sin is brought before the light, which is Jesus, it will continue to grow. The answer in any of this is to bring our sins before our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to share a quote as we get ready to start closing up. A quote by I read in another commentary, but the actual quote is from Mark Twain. So Mark Twain, he, he says this. He says he wrote, A lie can go around the world while the truth is still lacing up her boots. There is something in a human nature that makes so easy for people to believe lies. It was not until the coming of the Spirit of Pentecost and the powerful witness of the Apostles that the Jews in Jerusalem discovered the truth. Jesus Christ is alive. Any sincere person who studies the evidence with an open heart will conclude that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historic fact and cannot be refuted. Jesus is alive. He is risen. It's amazing this week, and as we looked at this in these passages today, we saw three different responses to Jesus' resurrection. First, we saw these two disciples. Then we saw Mary Magdalene. And then we saw the soldiers and the Jewish religious leaders. We learned many different lessons from each of them. Uh, some people, the disciples and Mary, they came to faith. While others, just as it happens in the world today, would do anything possible to hide the truth that Jesus is risen. I'd like to close today with reading a passage of scripture. If you got your Bible, I'd like you to turn to Colossians. Maybe if you're searching, you can just go eat popcorn. Ready? So Colossians, we're going to look at, this is our study we were doing on Tuesday. And as I read this, I just felt it is so applicable and applies so much into what we're studying on Sunday. So let's read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and he made the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who arise from the dead. So he is first in everything, for God in all fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. Amen. As we close... I want you to recognize one very important fact. Turn back to John. I just, just, I think I should mention this. John chapter 20, verse 17. You there? You back there? This is very interesting here. In the second part of the verse, 
says, but go to my brothers and tell them I'm extending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. This is the first time that the father, father God, is referred to as our father and your God. Jesus is stating what he has done on the cross. He's made it so now we are part of the family. We are adopted in as sons and daughters of the father. Jesus is acknowledging that when he says this here, and your father and your God. What a wonderful gift Jesus Christ has given each one of us. I just pray today as you we read this and we talk about this and we talk about coming to faith, that you would recognize that God, this is our father. I just love this so much. Please pray with me. We're still going to have some worship. I know normally also we would uh, have communion today or the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're going to take that next Sunday. So please think about that this week as we will observe communion next Sunday. Again, we have all of our online studies still taking place each week. If you have any questions about what that looks like, please give us a text. We'd love to see you. We have conversational English Bible study. We have men's Bible study. We have women's Bible study. We have youth Bible study. Uh, we have... Um, I think some others even, please text me if you have any questions about how to stay in fellowship, especially in difficult times as these. And remember, as we talk today, Jesus is always there with us, always there with us, always there just as he was there alongside Mary. He's calling our name. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word. I thank you so much, Lord, the fact that I can, that we are yours. We are now your children. And we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross, Lord. That he was placed on that cross, bearing our sins. Paying the price, the cost, the payment for each of our sins, Lord. But then as we read today, he is risen. He defeated sin. He defeated death. We serve a living God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this. Wonderful gift you've given us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that each, our lips would proclaim how we met you. How we met the living God, the God that is risen. No grave, no sin, no power is greater than our God, the risen God, the risen Jesus Christ. The one that defeated the grave, defeated sin. And we're allowed to come alongside you now. And be a part of that victory. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak to the people's hearts. Your Holy Spirit would just flood this city. Lord, this message would go out. And the people would know, no matter what they've done, you're there for them. If they will come to faith in knowing and have a personal relationship with you, their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I ask these things. Amen. Thank you for joining Refuge Fellowship online. Again, we're going to close with some worship. Please... Send us, message us your prayer request, and God bless you. We miss you all. We hope to meet again with you soon. God bless.